0: do i say about growing up in the house of the lord (laughs) these children get that privilege so uh it is uh it's a good thing that our kids get to grow up here in church and ask their questions and and learn this is where we are a family and we come together we share our mutual love for the lord Uh, i want to share with you as well just a prayer uh, item this morning that uh, I was given a phone call this morning that Margaret Taves is not doing well, and Henry took her in to the emergency this morning uh, with a racing heart. And so uh, we just lift her up in prayer and think of them. And for those of you um, on the care committee, uh, just to be aware of that, that um, uh, to give them a phone call or, or even check in on them uh, later on today. So um, let's just remember Margaret and Henry in our prayers this morning and this afternoon as well. Would you bow with me and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have the privilege of coming together as your children uh, in this, a house dedicated to you to worship and to prayer and to learning. And so we pray, Lord, that as we have come together in in our shared love for you, that you have called us brothers and sisters in the Lord. Thank you that we are a family and that we can encourage one another and we can lift each other up, Lord, in our prayers, in our encouragement, and we spur one another on in the great mission you have given us. Uh, this morning, Lord, we lift up Margaret to you, whatever her, her uh, health issues are, Lord, and, and Lord, deeper issues that, that she is struggling with, we just pray that you would intercede by your spirit, lay a hand upon her, Lord, still her heart, and give her your peace this morning, we pray. Uh, be with Henry as well, give him strength, Lord, as he supports her. And may we as a church family continue to come alongside and support them as well. Now, Lord, as we uh, hear from your word this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would go uh, go before me, Lord, prepare our hearts to receive, and I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth would be pleasing to you, that they would be yours, and speak to each one of us here today. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. There was once a man who lived an extremely unhealthy lifestyle. For many years this went on. He never exercised, he ate only the unhealthiest of food, and he spent all of his spare time on the couch. Then one day, while he was forced to shovel snow from his driveway, he felt a stab of pain run through his chest. It was a heart attack. At the hospital, it was touch and go, but he managed to pull through. However, the damage to his heart was catastrophic, and he was soon diagnosed to be in full end-stage heart failure his only hope for life to continue was to receive a heart transplant as soon as possible he was placed on the waiting list but he knew that his chances were slim however in short order he received the good news that they had acquired a new heart for him he tried his best not to think about the fact that someone else had to die so that he could live the subsequent operation went smoothly, and the heart transplant was a complete success. He was soon released from the hospital with a new lease on life. This was his wake-up call, and with great zeal and dedication, he carefully followed the dietitian's instructions and the exercise plans that he was given. He soon decided to hire a personal trainer, and he began going to the gym. He had never before set foot in a gym. The equipment, the the sounds, the smells, and the people were all alien to him. Most of them simply ignored him as though he weren't even there, focused on their own workouts, with sweat flowing down their toned bodies and matching workout gear. From the first moment he stepped inside, instinctively he knew he didn't belong. For starters, he wasn't dressed right in only street clothes. The machines looked complicated and dangerous and the muscular man grunting as he lifted an impossibly large bar above his head before banging it to the ground was intimidating to say the least. He was just about to turn around and leave when his personal trainer called out his name. He was soon familiarized with the layout and some of the basic equipment that he would be starting out on. The first couple of workouts were awkward and painful, And every morning he woke up thinking about how he would quit. But then his trainer introduced him to a couple of other people who were also just starting out, and soon they began working out together. The added support helped him get over the hump, and soon he was making real progress. He began waking up in the morning looking forward to his time at the gym. Soon he noticed he was losing the extra weight, and slowly but surely his once unhealthy body was becoming toned and fit. The icing on the cake came the day his cardiologist told him, You don't need to see me anymore. Your heart is as healthy as a horse. And at that moment, it finally dawned on him. His new life was here to stay. Everyone he met commented on the drastic change they saw, and they complimented his newfound dedication to personal health and fitness. He learned everything he could, reading magazines and watching workout videos in his spare time. He also began to sense that his new lease on life wasn't just about him. It was also about what he could do for others, helping others break free from the unhealthy lifestyle that he had once lived as well. In time, he became one of the regular faces at the gym, a fixture, Everyone knew he would be there every single day. He never missed a workout, and he began inviting his friends, his non gym buddies, to come and join him to check it out. Of course, they all had excuses why they couldn't. Work is really busy right now, man. I have so many volunteer commitments you wouldn't even imagine. My kids' sports team is keeping me running enough, I don't need to do any running on a treadmill. I don't need to go to the gym to get fit. I can exercise at home. Or, I'm just not a gym person. Everyone there is way too intense. However, his enthusiasm and his personal dedication were contagious. And through his persistent invitations, a few friends eventually did join him. And he introduced them to the strange, exotic world of the gym. Of course, not all of them stuck it out. But a couple did, and soon became regulars themselves. More time passed. Now going to the gym was no longer a question. It was simply something he did, part of his routine, an ingrained habit. However, as time passed, he no longer saw the exciting gains that he had at the beginning, and his progress slowed dramatically. His body plateaued, and he was soon in maintenance mode, he dabbled with mixing things up, but he liked what he was familiar with, so why change now? The first time he missed a workout it was innocent enough. He woke up with a sore throat and a fever and stayed home in bed. At his next workout, his friends gave him some playful razzing about the Iron Ironman streak finally coming to an end. The second time he missed a gym workout was a few weeks later. He'd been out late the night before, and he slept through his alarm clock. The third time he missed a gym workout was the very next day. He was still tired, and seeing as it was the end of the week anyway, he'd consider this week just a write-off, and he'd start fresh the next. At the next workout, his buddies made a few comments about sending out a search party to go looking for him. Well, he laughed it off, but it bugged him. Who were these hypocrites to razz him about missing? After all, they'd all missed way more than he ever had. The next time he missed was a full week straight. Why? Well, his week had been busy, sure, but no more so than in the past. He told himself that was the reason, but deep down, he just didn't feel like it. He'd put in so much hard work, he deserved some time off. By now, the zeal and dedication that had once pounded in his chest with each beat of his new heart was just not the same. That weekend, his closest friend from the gym, one of those he'd invited to come in the first place, called him up. Missed you at the gym this weekend, buddy. Something going on? No, nothing was his reply. Just really busy. Really, really busy. I mean, work, family stuff, you know how it is. Sure, sure, I understand, came the friend's reply. See you tomorrow? Yep, I'll be there. And he was, albeit begrudgingly. Upon arriving, the first thing he noticed was that his favorite machine had been moved away from the TV. Huh. The second thing he noticed was that a newbie was sitting on his favorite machine and doing it all wrong. And then to top it off, he noticed that some of the other gym regulars were ignoring him. Hey, he hadn't been gone for that long, had he? He left the gym that day annoyed, and he didn't return for the rest of the week. His friend called again, which annoyed him even more. Just leave me alone. I'm an adult who can make my own decisions. I'll be back when I feel like it, had been his reply. This pattern continued for some time. At home, his healthy eating began to slip as well. Fast food and deep fry began to show up on his plate more often. He and his old friend, the couch, were getting reacquainted. His friend stopped calling until one day he stopped by. Some of the other guys have stopped coming to the gym regularly, too, you know. You were the glue of our group. When we all felt like staying home in the morning, we just think of you being there, working out, and it helped us get out of bed. What? Came his reply. I didn't think they even noticed. Last time I was there, they just ignored me. Oh, they miss you all, right? They just don't know how to say it. But it's not the same without you. Well, this got him thinking. And he decided that he was going to make an effort again. He'd be there. But the next morning, when his alarm clock went off, his arm instinctively reached out and shut it off. He was immediately back to sleep. Without even realizing it, a new habit had been formed replacing the old not going had become his new normal it was now going that required special thought and effort and so when his gym membership came around for renewal he simply let it expire after all he said to himself work is really busy right now i have so many volunteer commitments my kid's sports team keeps me running enough I don't need to go to the gym to stay fit. I can exercise at home. And besides, I don't like the changes they've made at the gym. Nobody cares if I'm there anyways. Maybe someday, someday, when life isn't so busy, then I'll go back. And with that, the man with the new heart, still beating in his chest, slowly but surely, began to live like his old self again. Yes, he was still alive, but his zeal... His dedication and his purpose were but a distant memory. Now, just in case you haven't caught the point of this parable yet, replace the word gym with the word church, and you have this morning's sermon in a nutshell. Let me read for you Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 24. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ and receive his gift of grace, Hebrews says his blood covers your sins and opens the gateway straight to God himself. In that instance, he gives you a new heart. A transplant occurs. He seals you then with his indwelling spirit and he grants you a new lease on life. And it's not just for this life. No, it's for eternal life. Jesus described it once as being born again into a new family. It's a fresh start. You're you're like a brand new baby. You've been born again. Long before that, Ezekiel prophesied of this age, this day. In Ezekiel chapter 36 and verses 26 and 27, he wrote, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to obey all of my laws. If you have put your faith in Christ, you have received him as your Savior and Lord, in that moment, this passage describes you. You were given a new heart, and God's Spirit is now the one who seals your salvation. He is in you. But just like the man in the story... Followers of Christ often follow a similar pattern. The first excitement of salvation soon enters a season where the enthusiasm fades. It's just not the same as it was in the beginning. The growth, which begins so rapidly at first, begins to plateau. And this is where the hard work of discipleship truly begins. This is the phase where the person is no longer a newborn, no longer an infant, but they're not yet full-grown either. They're not yet fully mature. There are many who stagnate exactly here. Many who remain there indefinitely. And it's often in this place that they begin to find other places to be on Sunday morning rather than in church. Now, of course, people finding reasons to miss church is not a new phenomenon. Far from it. Why do you think the author of Hebrews wrote this to the church? And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. He wrote that because it was a problem back then, too. Yes, way back then, they had members who got in the habit of being anywhere and everywhere except in the assembly. Perhaps they had excuses similar to ours. I worship God best when I'm outdoors, so I have my personal church service in my fishing boat. Is that getting too close to home? I was working late hours in the vineyard all week, so I'm too tired to go. After all, isn't the Sabbath supposed to be a day of rest? I think I'm called to be in my bed. Or, I feel called to witness to my non-believing friends That's why I'm at the chariot races. Now, let me just say if you worship God best outdoors, that is great. I do too, in fact. But do it on one of the other 166 hours that you are given to work with in a week. If you love sports, hey, I bet you I love sports more than you. I'm a sports nut. You know that. But. It is not my top priority in life. It simply isn't. And so I have decided that for me and my family, God's church being here will come first. And it does, and it will remain so. It's not my top priority. Now, just to state the obvious, just so we're painfully clear on all of this, going to church does not make someone a Christian. It's not the act of coming here that saves you. It's not. But the Bible is clear a Christian goes to church doesn't make you a Christian but once a Christian a Christian goes to church period the new testament simply cannot envision a Christian living the life of faith separate from a church body it simply just doesn't exist in Paul's writings it doesn't exist in in the teachings of Christ We are made for fellowship. We are relational beings who need one another. So, can you still be saved and not go to church? Yes. Yes, you can. But, can you be a fully equipped, engaged, and obedient follower of Christ without going to church? Not according to God. There is simply no allowance anywhere in Scripture for a follower of Christ to not gather and participate in his local assembly. Not going to church is like a husband saying, I don't need to live with my wife in order to be married to her. Technically, that's true, isn't it? You can be married to someone and not live with them, but what kind of a marriage is that? Is that any marriage at all, if if you say we're married, but we're not actually living together? Did you know that spiritually... You are married to Christ. If you are a believer here today, the Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ. I know that may seem strange, especially for the guys. This is conceptual, okay? But follow along with me. The church is referred to repeatedly as the bride of Christ. So what kind of marriage is it if you don't want to live with your spouse? Just to be clear... This is not some new form of legalism that I'm preaching here this morning. I'm not saying, thou shalt be in church 52 Sundays of the year. Th- that's not what I'm saying. There are valid reasons to miss once in a while. But that's the key, once in a while. When it becomes the habit, the norm to not be here, that is where we are, we are getting into dangerous territory. I'm not preaching legalism. This is instead the age-old teaching of Christ himself who called his followers to a life of commitment, discipline, and self-denial. The one who told us that if we want to follow him, we must pick up our cross and be ready to suffer and die for the sake of his name. So how can we even begin to expect to live out that kind of a life the other six days of the week if we can't even devote and prioritize two hours for our Lord and Savior on a Sunday morning. So if you think that missing church does not harm your spiritual health and vitality, think again. Can a bodybuilder expect to win the prize without going to the gym? Now, just going to church does not make someone a mature disciple. Let's be clear on that. But one cannot be a mature disciple, without faithful attendance and participation in their local assembly. It is simply not possible. I've had so many people, youth especially, tell me, you know, I'm really struggling in my faith right now. God seems distant. I can't hear him. I can't feel him. I don't know where he is. And very often, one of the first things I'll ask them is, well, when's the last time you've been in church? How many times have you been in church in the past month? Most of the time, the answer is, I haven't been in the last month. I'm not saying that the one is, is necessarily equals the other, but it is a big part of it, my friends. If you want to walk in, in close relationship with God and fellowship with Him, being in fellowship here in this assembly is vital. It is a huge and foundational component of your walk with God is being a part of this assembly. If you're a parent And you don't think sporadic attendance will affect your children. Think again. You tell them what is most important. Not by what you say, but by what you do. I will tell you that there were many times that as a child, I would have rather been somewhere else than here on Sunday morning. But it was my parents who set the example for me. And we were here, rain or shine, blizzard, cancelled or otherwise. We were here. And that set the tone for my life. You tell them what's important, not by what you say, but by what you do. If you don't believe that your church attendance affects your witness, then think again. It absolutely does. In fact, studies have shown that the decline in church attendance across our nation falls directly in correlation to the decline of new believers being added to the faith. Church attendance... The drop in church attendance in our nation and the drop in new believers in Christ are exactly the same. Are we seeing a connection? Absolutely. Every time we gather, we are bearing witness to the reality of our risen Lord. You see, being here on Sunday morning is not an accident. The reason we gather on Sunday morning and not on Saturday, which is the Sabbath, by the way, the reason we're gathering on Sunday morning is because of what we celebrated last Sunday. Easter, every time we gather, we are declaring Jesus is alive and he's alive in me. This is a witness, the fact that we are here to the community who is not here. Jesus is alive and you being here is bearing witness to the resurrection of the Lord. Your witness directly coincides with being here in the assembly declaring he is alive and he is alive in me. You see, being in the assembly on Sunday morning is not just about you. In fact, it's mostly not about you. It's first and foremost about the one who gave you that new heart that beats in your chest this very minute. It's about Him. Church is first and foremost about God. Our worship is not principally about us, it is about Him. We don't sing to bless our own hearts. We sing to bless his heart. We come to worship the one who died so that we could live. We come to pray to seek his face and to align our thoughts and our lives to his will. Church is about mission. It is not about my personal entertainment. If you came here today to be entertained, then you're in the wrong place. The theater is in Brandon. However, if you are here to be equipped and encouraged to participate in God's mission, then you are in the right place. Notice verse 24 that says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That is the language of mission acts of love and good works. And let's think of ways that we can motivate one another. In fact, that's what I'm trying to do here this morning. I am trying to motivate you. And God has given me this platform and this position in this church body to do just that. And I want to encourage and spur you on. Because sometimes spurring doesn't always feel good, but we need it from time to time, don't we? We don't just need an attaboy. Sometimes we need a, a, a little kick in the pants. I know I need it. I've needed it many times in my life. What are we doing here, my friends, if we're not here to participate in God's mission for the world? The church is God's missionaries. That's it. He has given us the message of the gospel. He has entrusted it to us. We are his missionaries to the world. This church does not exist to serve itself, but to serve Christ and the world. The last line in verse 25 reminds us, as well, that the mission is urgent. Listen, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. What? That was written in 65 AD. And the author is saying, his return is drawing near. Let us meet together all the more to engage in this mission because it is urgent. Now, if it was urgent back in 65 AD, my friends, how much more urgent isn't the mission today? Jesus is coming back, and it's soon, my friends. It's soon. Now, it may not be soon, as in in my lifetime, but in God's clock, I assure you, it is soon. And when Jesus returns, Every person who is not found in him will receive God's full judgment and wrath that their sin deserves. And yet, God desires their salvation. That's why Jesus died for them, too. But who will tell them if not us? Who will go to them if not we? Jesus' church was put on this earth with a mission, and the mission is urgent. But it cannot happen if we are not first committed to being together. For without each member doing its part, the whole cannot function properly and the mission cannot be accomplished. Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. Paul wrote this. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ. Now, listen, if you didn't fall in the category of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, you fall most definitely under the category of the saints. That is everyone. And what's the job description of the saints? The works of service, the works of the ministry. For what purpose? The building up of the body of Christ. This body to be built up isn't just my job, my friends. It's your job. It's every last member's job to build up this body through your acts of service within this fellowship. Now, you might not be thinking your role in this church is all that important. You might not think that your presence here on Sunday morning affects anything at all. But that is simply not true. Imagine a baseball team, a team that at the first game has 12 players show up. Only nine players are needed, of course, and so the three extras are sitting there on the bench thinking, we're not even going to get in the game, we don't matter. And so, the next game, they don't show up. However, at that next game, there are only six players that show up. Why? Because three of the other players didn't think they were needed because there were three spares sitting on the bench. Everyone is important to the success of the team, whether sitting on the dugout bench or the church bench. Every member is valuable to the whole and has an important role to play to the success of the team. Let me just ask you, what would happen here if every last man, woman, and child who calls Bay Avenue Mennonite their home church were here next Sunday? What would happen? What would that look like? For starters, this place would be pretty full, wouldn't it? There'd be a few more bodies in here. What would that do? We'd sing a little better. We'd feel like, hey, something's happening here. I want to be a part of this. What happened if that continued the next Sunday and the Sunday after? Do you think the town might notice, like, hey, there's a lot of cars parked in the parking lot there. What's going on? That's what happens when momentum is built, my friends. When we gather together. It's not just about us. It's about The mission. So here are the take-homes for us today. First of all, you're here. That's what this is all about. Give yourself a pat on the back. (laughs) You're here. But we have a mission. Now that we're here, the Word has told us, encourage one another. In the context of participation and attendance in the church, we are called, we are given the mission to encourage. Give a little nudge When you see someone's not here, say, hey, we missed you. See you next Sunday. Those are all parts of accountability in the church that we we support one another. We spur one another on this way, my friends. That is all of our job descriptions. Encourage others. Spur each other on. And secondly, make being in this assembly your non-negotiable priority. I'm not saying 52 Sundays of the year. That's not, I'm not preaching legalism here. But make this your priority and let the other things fall underneath because the Lord, he, he wants us to be here, my friends. There is something special about being in the assembly where two or three are gathered in my name. There am I in the midst of them. And so, my friends, this is it. This is the assembly. And God has a mission for us. Will we step up to the plate, and will we play our part for his glory? My prayer is that we would each leave here today agreeing with the psalmist who declared, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Amen. Father God. Thank you and thank you again for the privilege of being called your child. Of having my sins washed clean by the blood of the the lamb. That Lord Jesus, the the curtain, you have torn it from top to bottom. The way to the Father has been made clear for me. And for each one here today who has by faith received that gift of salvation. We thank you, O God, for this great privilege. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being a part of this church family. Thank you for Bay Avenue Mennonite and for the wonderful work that you have done through it, through the years, Lord. Not only in my life, not only in my family's life, but in everyone who has ever entered through these doors. We thank you, Lord, that you have added a touch. You have done a work here. But Lord, we know that what you have done in the past, Lord, we can't recreate the past. We can't go into the past. No, it is gone. But Lord, we have this day and we have the future before us. And we know that you are not yet done with the work and the mission that you have given this church. Lord, you have said in your word that each one of us plays a vital role in the success of the mission of this, your church. And so I pray, O Lord, that today you would stir up in each one of our hearts a desire to be faithful, to obey and to follow wholeheartedly the assignment that you give to each one of us, whether it seems great or small by human eyes, does not matter. O Lord, give us an enthusiasm to play our part with passion, and to be here in this assembly, to spur one another on, to encourage one another, and to see many more come to salvation in you. For we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.